The show is Movie Victory, starring David Victory. As the Victory. Huey JPEG. <laughs> Hi. With support from my wife, Sarah S Victory. Sylvia, Sylvia Fox. My, my, my three cats, <laughs> Ulysses, Telemachus, and Perseus. <laughs> Behind the scenes work done by Huey JPEG. <laughs> With special appearance by a huge actor that has been cut out of the final episode. Yes, with special appearances by Morgan Freeman. It, that it was, was cut, cut out of the episode. Did not. Because we couldn't <laughs> afford it. He's a good friend, yeah. and he did it for free, and then his, his, his owners, yeah, his, his handlers publicist. and publicists said, no, no, give us money. All right, well... Well, anyway, uh, welcome to Movie Victory. Um, we both we're talking about scenes of scenes of a marriage of a marriage, and um, we are both talking about how much we love the end credit sequence where it's spoken over. So that was our, our version of trying to to do that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the, I love that about the original, like audio <laughs> recap. Well, also the intros they do audio recaps by Bergman over like the photographs. I know. Photographs from the previous yeah. episode that aren't in the episode. It's like set photography. They seem it seems like a crime scene that they're telling us about. It's it's so bizarre. Um but I also love you it. Say that oh, it feels date, dated, but it doesn't because it's just somehow, it's, it, does, it can't it, be dated because no one else has done it before or since. Right. It's like I would say it's mimicking something, but I don't know what that is. Right. I don't know if ever shows did recaps like that. It's like I've seen a lot so. of old recaps, and um, yeah, nothing's coming. But to yeah, back. I just I love how um, there's no visual credits for the original. It's just Bergman himself reading the names of the casting crew aloud. And, I don't yes. know, I feel like it's kind of like an intimate move on his part. Like, how it's delivered in the audio-only credits. It's like, it's such a great, like, underused well, idea. Who else has done that? I don't know, but I would love, like, a big movie that's got thousands <laughs> of people in the credits. Yeah. <laughs> somebody, somebody to read yeah. it. They're just, like, going faster. Um, yeah, I don't know. Jim Rash, Tom Smith, it's, 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 yeah, you just like just somebody just mile right. a second Read, reading, reading the entire like CGI crew. I wonder how that's handled um, for uh, what are the, the descriptive audio? You know, you know, with those dubbings for people that are blind. I wonder if they if they read if they read all the credits. I don't, I don't know. Maybe they just give them a little booklet in Braille of all the credits. I'm, I, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Um, I don't think they care. Most people... Who reads the credits except for the first, like, four titles? Maybe the people that actually are in it, they're like, oh, there's my name. You right. Know? Yeah. Yeah, that's, uh, that's a point. I, I do... I like... I feel like I am... Well, I, this is such an important thing that we're starting, starting to talk about, Scenes of the Marriage... Um, believe it or not, we are going to talk about um, scenes of a marriage today. Um, last week, we talked about um, kind of the beginning of this episode that we're primarily going to talk about today. It's We're both very annoyed because the episodes are different numbers. They've cut out episode two, which we've complained about. Because episode so two now, is amazing. Yeah, they took out the original episode two, and so it's kind of thrown off our whole um, system 
Um, but we both have seen the Swedish version, episode three, and the HBO version, episode um, two. Right? Wait, have, have you two. seen... No. No, I guess, no, we're talking about four. Yeah, we're talking about three and four. Three and four. Three and four. Whatever. I guess I say four, four first because the I'm original. like four is the original. Yeah, so four, four and three because I guess. See, I thought we were talking about episodes four and four of both today, and that's what I was prepared for. Right, right. Which wouldn't be fair because I'm like, can't the same do episode. that. Yeah. yeah, exactly. They're not the same episodes, and so next week the goal will be to talk about, I guess, um, the final um, two episodes. Five and six. Uh, Five and six. Well, that is have, uh, six so. of the original and five of the reboot. Yeah, they really right. shouldn't have and cut it. They should have just made a short episode of episode two. Like, had it make a 20-minute episode. Who cares? I, I just don't like how it's so similar in every other regard to, like, just cut out a whole episode when you structurally it's so similar yeah. and so many of the visuals. And I'm like, that just seems insane to me. Um... Maybe it has to do with how that's the one episode so far that t doesn't take place in the house mm -hmm. itself. I mean, mm -hmm. so I didn't think about that. I was like, is that why? Because he just felt like right. it didn't really fit as well um, because it wasn't the one setting um, where most of the other episodes have, even though we did change settings in at least the one that goes to the abortion clinic. Right. Um, um, but yeah, episode two else? of the original... To make it even more confusing sounding, episode two of the original, the first two thirds of which takes place at their respective workplaces, and then the last third they get drunk at home, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Which is my so far still my favorite episode. Uh, although I mean they're all good for different reasons, but yeah. Yeah. Definitely. So what are we talking about right now? What happens in episode three of the re reboot? Remind me. So episode three of the reboot, it has been, so uh, last time we talked, um, she, they have the fight of the hug goodbye, mm -hmm. and um, she does get him off of um, him, and in the reverse, in the, in the original, where uh, she is trying to hug him and, and keep him there, um, but they leave, and they stay presumably for about seven to eight months in both versions, and they've been gone. And so they're coming back, and um, it's clear from the start that the person that left to have the affair is now very interested in talking to um, the other person. And I guess I'm saying it like this just because we have different sexes in these, in these stories. And so both scenes, um, the person who had left is now actively pursuing the other person and trying to like talk to them intimately and then they both kind of fall asleep or in the in the reboot the girl just kind of yawns and he's kind of like oh i'm not even well i'm not even gonna tell you like what i've been talking about with my therapist or he talks about like writing morning pages or mm -hmm. something and she's just like no no i want to listen i want to listen um so eventually that uh that party listens to them the wronged party um gets listened to and then there's making out and almost having sex and then like no and which ultimately leads um them back to the bedroom and kind of cuddling for a while and then a persistent phone call happens 
um, and we we find out, and it's been kind of hinted at before, but we find out it's like, oh, the wrong party has a um, lover that are referred to in both versions, and um, that are they break it off with them over the phone in front of the other person, mm. and then there is it seems like they maybe slept together maybe had intercourse we're not a hundred percent sure i think in the hbo version i think the swedish version is clear that they did um but they leave the next morning and we know because we've seen the next episode in the hbo version uh that they that was a one-time mm -hmm. thing um so i guess i'll i'll just say that spoilers this is not the start of a reconcile it's, it's just kind of a a speed bump. I guess the only other major plot point I left out was the um, the Polly and the Paula, mm -hmm. um, the phone call, the voicemail, the respective mistress, um, and the, the people they're cheating on. Right. With yeah. Right. They both reach out to um, the wronged party. I don't know. That's just how I'm referring mm -hmm. to them because I can't think of another term. They both reach out to them and tell them basically like, hey. I'm tired of all the suspicion, the jealousy, which I'm, I am just like, what is the suspicion, the jealousy? Because it's like, we don't really know. So we don't know, like, if it's just been, like, maybe they've been hooking up before. It's like, I don't, I don't know how to, I don't think they have. So it's, I don't understand, like, the context of the suspicion, the jealousy. Um, I'm curious of your take on that. Um, but both of them are just kind of like, this is a toxic relationship and you can have it, mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. it's like, I'm, I'm, I'm done. I'm out, you know? And it is kind of like, I'm just annoyed at that person. It's like, yeah, you got involved with a married person that had been married for a decade. Right. And now you're, now you're just like, I guess I bit off more than I could chew. Right. It's just like, I mean, anytime you're the yeah, other you're, guy or the other person, yeah. anytime you date someone right. who is married or in a relationship already, and you are the, side piece so to speak um even if they speak on this yeah i can because this is you you've done this a lot no it's, it's happened a couple times i mean like a dozen no it hasn't no, <laughs> well it's because i've dated people in open relationship that's, things that's, that that's, then diff end. that's different yeah but um go ahead what we were saying i, I derailed you yeah uh well before i forget also i want to i don't know if you mentioned it um you mentioned how in the reboot, he reads his writing to her, and then they make out, right? Uh, yeah. And then in episode four of the original, a similar thing happens, but of course the gender's swapped, and she reads to him. Liv Ullman reads right. her thing, which is great. I, was, I don't know if you mentioned that. I forgot what I was going to say about it. Um, other than I really liked Liv Ullman's piece of writing. because Well, because Bergman wrote it for her, obviously, right? But... I actually don't remember the writing I mean, he's, that he reads really? to her. I don't remember oh. the content of what he reads to her in the reboot. It's like about the breakup, and it's very eloquent. It's it's he says it's morning pages, mm -hmm. and it sounds right. like yeah, it sounds amazing. Mm -hmm. That was one of my takeaways on it. I was just like, wow, his morning pages are just Great. <laughs> so clear, good constructed mm -hmm. sentences, mm -hmm. and like. A thematic concept that's talked yeah. about throughout and well developed. <laughs> uh, yeah, because he and she's like falling asleep. It, that's the repeating thing in both of them is that they are the other person's kind of like falling asleep and right. being a jerk because they're a jerk. They're both of them are big jerks. That's right. all I can say. 
uh, of HBO in the original so far. I I am like mad at these episodes, and I'm like I don't I feel like that's why we've been avoiding talking about it forever. And I'm like maybe we'll just not even. But it's just maddening because it's like you know what's going on and what's going to happen, and you're. Um, so I I watched the one with the. The, the HBO, the new one for first. Mm-hmm. And, like, I, you could tell that she was just kind of, like, jealous of, of him. Oh, who's your who's your lover? Who is it? Is it, you know, she's fishing for information. He's not really telling her. And he's kind of just being, like, nice and, like, oh, let's talk. And then um, she tries to, like, sleep with him. And he's like, no, no. Um, you don't realize, like, how bad this would be for me. And then... Despite that, uh, she continues to pressure him and pressure him, and then he finally kind of gives in and then breaks up. It's just, it's just a train wreck. I just hate, I hate watching it, and yeah. I hate thinking about it because it's like just so. Yeah, it's it's very exactly what we think is going on is going on. Exactly what he and she both think is going on is going on, but they, there's no stopping it from happening, and right. I feel like that is both the beauty and the maddening thing about this um, this episode is that it's it's the worst, but, like, how much does this happen? Right. Sure, a lot, right? Well, I mean, also, yeah, definitely a lot. I mean, there, I mean, it's a... At least two times. At well, in general, times. it's a cliche that you... Having sex with your ex is basically a trope in a lot of people's relationships. Um, it's like that. happened to other people. Mm-hmm. We should pull. We should what do you think? People. What are we supposed to learn from that? Is the question. What are we supposed to learn from that inevitable snowball where these two people don't want to even be in the same room, and yet when they are, there's that attraction repulsion thing, that magnetic thing that happens that suddenly they're making out. Right? It's like all this love or hate or all these emotions between them suddenly it's just like, well, I don't know what to do, just smash me with your face. You know, it's like, what are you? What are we supposed to learn from that? Like, it happens, yeah, but I don't, I don't know. What, what can you do about it? I don't know. There's so. I think that there's so much that goes on mentally and emotionally when you're physical with somebody for a long time, and like, I don't think it ever really goes away. And that's why when people are like, and I know you, you probably have told me that you're friends with your exes or whatever. And I'm sure. Like, but, like, people that, like, hang out with their exes, I'm like, that's not... If you can just hang out with them and there to be no sexual tension between... I'm almost, like, kind of doubting your relationship with them in the first place. And I'm not trying to be cynical about this at, at all. But I'm just saying that, like, when you are physical with someone enough, like, it's always going to be there, in my opinion. Mm. You know, it's... See, there's no... There's no stopping it. It'll no, I can... There. I can cite various... Uh, experiences or friendships where because that's the thing it turns into something different it's once enough time passes and also certainly depending on how long you date like some people that I'm for instance I'm going over to a friend's later today because she's in New York and I'm gonna go feed her cat and we dated for like three months like five years ago and then like a few months later we were like yeah that was dumb you want to hang out and we've been friends ever since and there's been no I guess I'm not I'm not talking about that. On my end, there's been no sexual tension 
for I'm me. Just, I guess I'm just saying more of these. It at least has to be a year relationship, I guess. I'm like, I guess. I don't know if you can put know. a timestamp on it, but yeah, that's probably because, like, for instance, my worst relationship ever. I only dated the person for nine months, and I still have like ricochets of how awful that was in my memory. Mm. And I don't know. I don't know if I could be friends with that person. We are on cordial terms because we have mutual friends, uh, but we really don't reach out unless it's necessary. And it's like, I would be interested in having like a therapeutic conversation with that person, but I don't think I could have a friendship. Not at this point. And this was four years ago now, you know? So I think it's also the, it's not just the duration of the relationship, it's the intensity of it. And like the people that I have stayed in touch with and people who have become very good friends, I don't know, I think it's a very old school idea like one time my dad said, not, noting that I have X amount of female friends, my dad once felt the need to comment on it and was just like, well, one, in a sort of old school Midwestern way, was just like, why, I didn't, couldn't fathom, like, why are you friends with women if you're not trying to have sex with them? So there was that, he didn't say that, but there was that undercurrent. So what did you say? What was your answer? He didn't that? say that, that was the undercurrent. What he actually said was... Well, back in my day when you dated a girl and then you broke up, you never spoke to her again. And I was just like, well, I don't know, man. Times have changed. Uh, I don't remember what I said. I feel like people are just, di I think people are different. I could tell yeah. you that I would be open. I know, but I'm just like, it wouldn't, like, there's no way it would be appropriate yeah. for me to be friends with any of my exes. Um, well, also because you're married now. Yeah, I'm, I'm single. Married. Yeah, but like, like I said, okay. some of them I would I would be open that, to oh, having is, I'd be open to having a conversation, but not being friends. That's different. See, I've always like been in another relationship too, so I guess it's not even like an option to continue friendships when I'm like. Right, but even that, well, like the person that I'm like kind of dating right now, just wouldn't care. Like I even told them like, oh, my friend's moving back to New York from LA, and it's someone that I used to not date but hook up with consistently and the person I'm seeing now knows that and I was like oh I gotta go see her she's leaving to New York and nothing happened we just hung out we like walked around and went to the taco truck or whatever just hung out uh, but the person that I'm seeing knows that I used to fuck this person and I went to go send her off because we're friends I think well that's another thing there's also hookup culture where you don't really date someone and I think when right. that happens it's like okay we've both grown and moved on in, in these different directions and now we can get a coffee and catch up. It's no big deal. Because there wasn't that uh, emotional attachment thing. I've definitely been I, friends with people I've hooked up with and still am. And we don't, and there's no sexual tension anymore, despite the fact that we may have hooked up years ago. Now, it's like, like one of my very best friends I knew from the internet, and then maybe in like, I don't know, 2015 or something, we met. And there was like a brief affair. And then we were just open and talked a lot. So we would talk to each other. You know, again, this is one of us was in New York and one of us was in California. And so we would talk about who we were dating. And that seems to sort of neutralize a lot of stuff too. It's like when you know all the emotional and relationship things that your friend is going through, it's like, like I have no sexual attraction to this person anymore. Despite the fact that when we met, we did. Uh, I don't know how she feels about that, but it doesn't matter because that's how I feel. 
yeah, I don't know. That's the thing. Every dynamic is totally different. It's just like, you know, the you can't compare people that you were ever in love with because every dynamic is so different from each other. That's why scenes from a marriage could work in every possible way, in every possible gender and uh, race you could combine that you can think of, and they would have a totally different dynamic, right? It's like everybody's so unique, so... Of course, the lo- you know the love you have between that person is unique. Right? It's a whole thing. Well, we start talking about this just because of that the hookup after they're divorced, and I guess right. I'm I'm just saying it seems like their experience has been different. Um, but yeah, for I think I think that there is depending on the relationship or whatever, but there is that sexual tension mm-hmm. a lot of the times um, clearly not in every relationship though right. but I've definitely had a, a different life experience than you have and if, haven't had as many um, relationships with people um, well but, I, I also think in the for like the show when you have a bad breakup or in this case a, a divorce or a separation until they get divorced and then you have to be in like we said in the same room with the person she's you know picking up her st- 10 years is just picking up her time. stuff and moving out well that's another thing the more time that passes the you can feel a lot you've processed a lot of what happened and like so much has happened in your life that you're like oh yeah I remember that from 10 years ago uh, whatever I forgive him or whatever you know it seems like nothing in, in retrospect uh, not in this situation <laughs> but I totally I've definitely been in the situation where I've had a bad breakup and the person came over to like pick up some stuff and then exactly what happened in this episode happened like an argument turned into like ah let's just fuck and it's like it's, like, it's stupid and that's why I was saying what's the lesson there what are we supposed to learn from that like just have some more self control both of you I don't know well I guess to my point I guess that's why I was talking about the sexual tension is I think that that is something that is true in a relationship like this and, mm-hmm. and in a lot of like I don't yeah I know we didn't say oh a time but I think time does matter and I yeah. think that when you're with somebody for like 10 years five years whatever it is um, it is really hard to change that dynamic to a friendship which it's not saying that it can't ultimately happen um, but for a long time anyway there is going to be this um, the this attraction to going back into a familiar pattern and mm. um, I think that's what we're really seeing is them fighting the urge to go back into that routine that they're very familiar with and she really wants that routine so much she needs it so much in this moment or if we reverse the original Swedish version he needs it so much they both like really need that other person to take care of them mm. and mm-hmm. fix them up and make them feel confident again. I guess I'm doing air quotes, but it, that is like literally what yeah. she says in the Swedish version and pretty much what he says. They know, see, they've been waiting for this to happen. They're mm-hmm. like, they're like, I've always been the stronger person in this relationship. And um, it's like, you know it, I know it. You, you clearly thought that you could just move on without me and you would be okay. Mm-hmm. And it's like, and it's like you you were not I knew that you would fall apart that's why it was so hard for me mm. and so then when the person comes back they're just like I told you this would happen you know and it's kind of it's yep. so hard for them because they want to go back into that routine and, and help fix that and yeah and, 
Yeah, and help them, and then also they can play the role that they're familiar with, right. which is being the helper. And um, well, this it's is hard. It's kind of the tra- it's the tragedy of like empathy. It's like I understand you yeah. so much that I know why you're doing this, and now I just have to watch you go through through it. You know, I mean, like you said, the, the stronger person in the relationship is the one who doesn't need to cheat to have right. some f- exactly. to have some vague sense of fulfillment. Right, right. Because they already understand the other person enough. I mean, maybe the person who is more empathetic, who is the stronger one, is the le- is the less understood one. Yeah, right. Definitely in this marriage, yeah, that, or marriages, that is true. It is, yeah, it's the woman in the Swedish version and the guy. They are the more independent. They are more clear about their identities and mm-hmm. who they are as individuals. Um, yeah, and they're just you can you can see that they're okay with criticism like they yeah. have their partner will even open to criticize it. welcome to yeah it. welcome it and they're and they're just very secure in the response and they're just kind of like mm-hmm. yeah okay you know think you know they're not it's not until and we both have seen the next hbo version when finally mm-hmm. he gets mad you know and mm-hmm. i'm sure she gets mad it's she like, gets very mad yeah we don't see that until that episode um but up until then there's a little bit of a turn, I guess you would say, when, yeah, let's let's try to dive back into the show specifically. Mm-hmm. So when he makes the phone, or I'll, I'll go to HBO version first. Um, so he is talking to his lover and- Breaks up with her. Like, breaks up with her over the phone. And he's kind of like, you know, I'm so, he's like, just, you yeah. could see like which, relief in his Which face. Liv Ullman also does. Exactly. Mm-hmm. She absolutely does. And they have just kind of this like I wasn't sure what I was gonna do, but well, don't you see it's because they didn't need a replacement like the person who yeah. cheated did. They were left alone and they yeah. they we don't know if they sought it out or if it happened naturally or what, but they they had another lover, for lack of a better term. Someone they were seeing casually maybe, who they knew would not fill the gap of the the spouse who had left, right? Well, and so they were almost, are they not almost relieved to be able to cut that off? Because they're like, I knew this wasn't enough the whole time. I don't know, no, I don't know. No, well, I mean, you can finish your sentence. Well, that's it. I mean, it's such a peripheral character, we can't really speak to it. We only hear them getting broken up with over the phone. We know nothing about them, really. I, I guess I would just argue that they never gave him a chance because they mm-hmm. weren't really... So they, I think that's that what I'm saying. Through, yeah, they didn't give him a chance because I don't think it was about that other person not being able to fulfill the role. It was just that they weren't in a, a good enough place to have another relationship yet because mm. they were still, um, stru- you know, going through the breakup and right. still wanting to be with the other person. And so uh, I think it's just, it's prob- my reading of this is that they're both just very attractive individuals the guy in the age yeah. it's like they just they just they would have people in their lives that are like i'm gonna wait until this marriage breaks up and mm-hmm. i'm gonna swoop in so i yeah, guess yeah. in my mind i'm like they got swooped because they are attractive enough individuals that people have been like watching them and they're mm-hmm. like oh somebody broke up with them i'm gonna pursue them and so like I'm, I'm not worried about either of them. They'll, they'll find and someone else. Actually, like, and, and, uh, meta commentary, real quick. The original title for this episode was not "They the Veil of Tears." It was actually 
they got swooped. <laughs> they got swooped, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I do think Veil of Tears was the better choice. See, that's a good edit. Yeah. That's uh, a good yeah, writerly I'm edit. I'm, I'm glad he let that sit and mm-hmm. came back to it and was like, they got swooped. Uh, yeah, well, he, it's because he'd already titled one The Art of Sweeping Things Under the Rug, and he's like, do we really want to use sweep and swoop again? Nah, Veil right. of Tears. Yeah. Let's go for it. Yeah. It's more dramatic um, anyway. Oh, so, you know what I just realized I'm going to do? The whole writer conversation, which lasted yeah. like a half an hour, I'm going to yeah. cut it and I'm going to make it a sidecast. Yeah. I'm also going to cut perfect. what I just said. <laughs> no, keep this in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> keep this in. No, that's what you just said should start the beginning of that sidecast. You should, you should say that and then it'll like have you like, movie victory sidecast uh-huh. and then transition and then it's the start of that conversation. I love the writerly talk. I think that's a good sidecast actually. But where were we on the Veil of Tears on episodes three and four? What I wanted to talk about is just, okay, so they have the phone call and it's the relief in the guy and the HBO and the mm-hmm. girl and just kind of like, yeah, I don't think they were, they knew this person, they, the other person wanted that relationship more, so they're kind of like, not a huge loss that I had to end it, mm-hmm. but they are kind of like doing it for that other person and be like, look, see, it's okay, I'm still here, we can still get back together, right. and then immediately they turn, you know, that's the moment that's so infuriating, because mm-hmm. it's like, as soon as they do that, the other person's kind of like, oh, you you had to break up with them. And then, well, it's you know, the classic want what you can't have, and then when right. you get it, you're like, oh, I don't know if I want this anymore, which is such bullshit. That's such a stupid human what? thing. Right, and so that's when we see them kind of get mad and just being like, did you have to say this now? Like, what is your problem? Like, they have this kind of, like, moment where they're just like, I can't, this is unbelievable. I can't believe that this is your response at this moment, you know? And so... I guess I just wanted to highlight that moment because it was just so infuriating and so human, I guess, and mm-hmm. just a very, re- a very real moment. I, uh, I mean, same thing with the annoying, like, animal magnetism thing of, like, we know that this is over emotionally, spiritually, whatever, and yet let's bang our bodies together out of frustration, you know? There's that, that is also infuriating thing, which is why I keep coming back to it, like, what are we supposed to learn from that? I don't think this is a, I don't think this is a series that has an easy like. Here's the moral to the story. Um, although, <laughs> I mean, if there was one, maybe it's just like be happy with what you got. But again, I just wonder like, what are, are we just watching these humans play out this like realistic thing, or what are we supposed to? Okay. What are we supposed I got, to I glean from this? Let's let's try to end this episode early. I got some takes yeah. on this. And um, you can tell me your takes, and maybe we could do a rating. Um, but I w- so here, so I just had my ten-year um, wedding anniversary, so I've been thinking about this a lot. Mm. And I wrote about it as we talked about writing earlier mm-hmm. the other day in my daily writing. And what I wrote was that I am not the person that I was ten years ago, and that part of my celebration of this marriage is not. The celebration for a holistic marriage of one of oneness but a celebration of multiple marriages Mm. of different people through various stages throughout Mm -hmm. my life and i'm like 
So if you have been married for 10 years like this couple has, that's a huge accomplishment yeah. because you've made it through these transitions with the other person and they've mm -hmm. changed with you enough that it still worked. And so wherever you are, like for this couple, they have achieved something not a lot of people have. They've been married for 10 years. Mm -hmm. And so that's a huge thing. And so it's like now that they're struggling with it, my takeaway is that they still have a connection to the other versions of themselves mm -hmm. that can were more that needed this relationship almost more mm -hmm. and and so part of it is the the death that they're neither of them want to let go right um which becomes very clear in the whole the next episode with the divorce signing yeah right yeah absolutely but at the same time I think it's very, this is going to sound bizarre, but I think it's very positive because it's just showing how much um, any type of marriage for whatever long that it has this, these stages and these transformations mm -hmm. that you go through with somebody else and that it's a incredibly unique and special thing. And difficult. And, and difficult, mm -hmm. but, but it becomes so much part of your identity that you will on a very primal way mm. resist moving on like you will still even though you know it's unhealthy for you you'll still mm -hmm. want it to, to continue to exist despite what what you know is best for you absolutely so, absolutely I mean because you're in this like when you grow with someone for however long you, there's like a spiritual entanglement now it's like right. you I mean, it's a great insight that you're putting forth for any long-term relationship is that you have to grow with the per I mean, in sickness and health, right? Through till death right. to spirit, right? Uh, and some of the things that happen along the way in this series is like uh, getting a new job, having a kid, having an abortion, uh, getting yeah. fired from that job eventually, yeah. uh, meeting someone at that job that you then leave your spouse for, all these sorts of things. And all of those are different you know, turns and forks in the road of like who you're becoming and the weird different phases that you go through over the years. So when you are in a long-term relationship with someone, whether it's an official marriage or not, uh, you do, like you said, you, you have to ex not just accept, but you have to grow with and be tolerant of that process that they happen to be going through now and maybe will be going through for a long time. You know, you have to go through their grieving with them. You have to go through, you know, if a family member dies, right? That's part of their, you know, another fork in the road of who they are. And so, yeah, I think that's a great point. That is a great thing. Maybe that is what to, what to learn from it, you know, through sickness and health, through all the weird people that you're going to be over the years. I'm here for that. Right, and you got and you got to do the same for me, and so that's yeah. That's well, just, <laughs> one would hope, it, yeah. Right, right, but that's what's so it's hard because it's like when you have a partner change on you, you got to say, how am I going? Where is my place going to be in this person that's changed? Mm -hmm. And like you trying to change with that person to still have that um, active relationship where you're still very much part of their lives mm -hmm. and. And with this marriage, you saw that they were, she was, 
and he was in the different versions hiding from the other person yes. they were saying there's part of me I don't think that you can handle or accept and then, yeah so I'm going to conceal that and that was the seed that broke the marriage mm-hmm. you know it was it was them holding out and just and you could tell it bothered both the guy and the girl right. and they knew they didn't know they were cheating and that's the thing it only takes one person in the dynamic to be not open in their communication and how they feel to completely break the branch yeah right like you said i mean the one person concealing and not being open with the other was the seed of everything falling apart uh right yeah, absolutely because you could see like the girl basically in the hbo version she like gets mad at the guy for kind of not knowing not being able to read your mind right classic idiot emotional idiot uh, response in a relationship you couldn't read my mind therefore i'm mad at you not and the same thing and the swedish the guy gets mad at the girl for not like realizing there was more things wrong Mm -hmm. and he's like mad at her about it right you didn't know what i needed despite the fact i never told you right right it's it's so maddening because it's like that person that you have turned your back on they would have changed with you like that's what i feel like i get mad at it's like if you had told them they would have said they would have tried to get to work through it with you Mm -hmm. and it's like and so that's kind of what i've been i feel like has been my overarching thing about the show in general is like that's what Mm -hmm. makes any type of healthy marriage work is being able to um work through Mm. with that person whatever is going on with them at that given time and speaking of that for anyone who might be listening if you're ever in that situation i got a great piece of advice one time from a female friend and i was dating her female friend and we were having a little bit of like a rift and she said pretty pretty in a pretty eloquent way she was like, men always come in and they say, how do I fix this? I want to fix this. And she was like, you don't realize that's not what she wants to hear. And I was like, what does she want to hear? She was like, she wants you to just put your hand on her shoulder and say, we're going to get through this together. Not that you're going to fix it, like the onus is on you, but we are going to do this. That's what she wants to hear. And I was like, you know, explosion uh, brain thing uh, and I was just like yeah you're, you're totally right uh, that seems obvious now but I didn't know that before right uh, so just fun little piece of advice for all, for for either it doesn't the gender doesn't matter for either person that is handling the rift if you're the one trying to quote unquote fix it you got the wrong approach you gotta you gotta expressly say out loud we can do this together because it's not about fixing anything it's about working through it right and finding the way to support that individual person which is going to take a little bit of work on your part um but yeah Mm -hmm. completely completely agree it's easier said than done it's hard when you see somebody that you love in pain you do want your i think almost anybody's instinct is to take it away how do i make this better but if you and i think this is something that just gender roles men could do but women can do too yeah i think men are more and more apt to say i want to fix it right right but i yeah i can 
both ways. I, I guess I've I've seen because it's it, sometimes people want to fix my problems, um, and I'm not saying necessarily my sure. life. Um, but to me, I would think the reason why I'm resistant to other people fixing my problems is because it's like, wait, what are you what are you trying to say? You don't you don't think I'm capable of fixing this? Mm -hmm. It's like there's a little bit of that whenever somebody's trying to be like, here is the answer. I'm just like, what, what do you yeah, think, yeah. an idiot? And, you, and, and again, like, yeah, yeah. It's like that's not what I. It's not why I'm talking about this. Right. It's like right. I'm not. I'm I'm frustrated. I'm annoyed that this is happening. That's why I'm telling you. I'm not mm -hmm. telling you because I want somebody to swoop in and fix it. It's like, I got it. I, you I'm got gonna swooped. I'm going I'm to figure this out. And so, but anyway, that I feel like that is what, what, what you are telling somebody when you give them an answer to a problem is you're telling them that you're 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 not you're not completely able you're not super yeah. capable your problem that you're dealing with that i'm just observing i know how to, i know what to do i i'm on the outside but i just taking me a second i i already know and mm -hmm. it's like it's such it's, a it's such an ego bullshit thing right whereas, whereas here's the other thing if you were going through the same thing if the roles were reversed you might be handling it even worse than they are yeah there's so i mean there's a i mean this is almost a joke where people's give advice that they themselves don't take, right? We, right? we all know what we're supposed to do, quote unquote, but it, like you said, actually doing it very can be very difficult. Because uh, whatever your decisions are gonna be, however you react to whatever situation you found yourself in, that's, all, that's also gonna be based on all your traumas and how you grew up and how you communicate and all this stuff, all your baggage. You know, and here, this is what I'm gonna say for people that struggle with this: just ask them for their permission the next time you want to give hmm. them a suggestion. Hey, would you be open for a suggestion about that? Right. That's all you got to do. And be ask careful them. how you phrase it. Don't say. Yeah. Don't say. You want to know what I think? Yeah. Don't. Say <laughs> don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> just, say, just say. Can I have your permission to offer you a suggestion? That's that's the nicest right. way I figured out how to phrase it. Is is it oh is it okay? Can I have your permission? Like, I feel like mm. that's the, you got to use that word permission because it's like, just so they know, this is a suggestion. I'm just, mm -hmm. I could be wrong. Here's so, something for you to think about. Yeah. And, and, and if you're not open for that, then I'm just going to keep it to myself. You know, you know, I, I may have a variation on that. I don't use the word permission, but for some reason I use the word wonder to okay. soften it. And sometimes I'll be like, I'm sorry, I'm dropping a lot of books over here. It's fine. <laughs> um, but instead of saying the foolish thing, like, you know what I think, which already presupposes that you quote-unquote know better, instead of that, sometimes I will buffer it by saying, I wonder what I would do in that situation. And, and then sort of ease into or segue into... Well, could... I, I don't know. Well, your advice is better. Saying, "Can I have permission?" I have not done that. I've often. I just kind of wonder out loud and then hope that, you know, it's received well. Uh, so, that's maybe more of like a middle ground tactic. I don't know. 
and I and I am. This is like really nerdy, but I'm reading um, how to win win friends and influence people right now. <laughs> uh-huh. And this is like one of the things. It's like don't. It's like he don't make argument. Like that's one of the things that he talks about in that, which is really good advice. It's like trying to win an argument with someone never works. It's, no. it's like, and it talks it talks about a lot of these kind of techniques. It's like, oh, you have a disagreement with somebody or whatever, you listen to them talk, you plant seeds, you, you know, you, mm-hmm. you appeal to them, you know, you don't mm-hmm. ever, it's, it never works when you take an adversarial with force. Approach. Right, and it's like, oh, it's, right, it's, exactly, and so, anyway, anyway. One, one fun fact to note on that, if you're ever having a conversation with someone, and it is, you are both listening, and, and then someone says, you are, you're always trying to be right, or you're just trying to win, take into account the irony that that person is the one who's trying to win. Do you know, see what I'm getting at? Maybe I need an example. But often, I've found, when I feel that I'm having a good uh, conversation with somebody, and I'm just expressing a different perspective, there's an insecurity that comes out when they're like, I didn't think of that myself. And often they'd be like, you're just trying to win. I'd be like, no, 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 it's not about winning. I'm just trying to share my view, right? And so I find the people that do view a conversation as win or lose, which, like you said, it's not that. It's never that. That's a very foolish way to look at it. It's, it's, about, it's a symbiotic thing. It's what can we both add to this so that we both get something out of this conversation, right? That's not about winning at all. Uh, and always just I find the people that use wrong. those terms yeah. are the ones that actually think that way, is what I'm trying okay. to say. Yeah. 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 No, I'm with you. And that, this is something else in the, that book it talks about. Just like always tell people, hey, this is what I think. I could be wrong. What, what's yeah. your perspective? Oh, Okay, well, thanks. Yeah, I, you know, this is this is what I thought it was, and maybe I'm mistaken. Yeah. It's, you know, I could be wrong is a great one because because it's like you're wrong a lot. We all are. I'm wrong so more more often than not. So there's nothing wrong with like just admitting that to the other person because then they're kind of like, all right, well, they're being honest about it. Then maybe I'll be honest about it, yeah. and um, we can both learn. And it's not about being right or wrong. Mm-hmm. So. I do. Yeah. Whenever I feel like somebody is like wanting what it could be, this oh I did this right or you did this right, I just tell them it's like, you know I'll just I'll just say that it was my mistake so we can just move on because it's mm-hmm. like I don't care. It's like okay. I'm just it's, it's not worth it's, it. It's not worth. It's like I'm just gonna say I screwed up and just you know here we go. It doesn't it doesn't make a difference to me. Um, and because it does change the dynamics because when people are like just obsessed with. Oh, I I caught you and you screwed up and they want to like tell you about it. Like and as soon as you kind of just like, but again, that's, all right, well, that's, that's an insecurity that, thing on their for part. Thanks telling me. Right, right. But that's their insecure respond- competition is such an insecure yeah. thing. Sorry to interrupt. But no, but you responding well to that and just being like, thank thanks for telling me. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I I'm so sorry that that was your reaction to what I did. I had no idea. Mm-hmm. That's not my intention. I'm gonna. I'm going to have to re- rewrite that piece of writing I did that you're complaining right. about or wh- whatever it is. I once um, saw there was this genius guy at the library who worked there, co-worker. And we had at the time a manager who was very micromanaging, very uh, kind of just like a frazzled individual 
like a uh, little mousy and this manager would come up and kind of scold you in like a I don't know what to call it like it was almost like okay you've seen what we do in the shadows yeah you know the emotional vampires oh yeah at the workplace I, I the tv the tv, the TV show. show yeah the tv show i've seen some episodes to know what you're talking it's about. in like it's in like episode two or something yeah I yeah seen this there's the show. emotional vampire the bald guy and then he sort of has a war and falls in love with the other emotional vampire that's at right. his workplace who's like better even better in it than he is and yeah. this manager was a bit like that female emotional vampire character where she would she would she would scold you about the most micromanagey things and a lot of people would get very frustrated and like kind of go off on her sometimes but this guy at work was a genius and he would just he would keep doing his work he'd keep you know working on his computer or scanning the books or whatever and he just let her talk in one ear and then he would turn to her and very calmly go okay and she didn't know what to do because what she wanted was a, a reaction that matched yeah. her nervous energy Right. And when he calmly turned and, and in a way contradicted that energy with total calm, which is not what she wanted. She wanted someone to have this feedback loop of nervousness. And he just went, okay. And she never, I saw it happen a dozen times. She never knew what to do. She would like, it was like her brain zapped all of a sudden. And she would like, sort of perk up and then like walk away confused not knowing what to do back to her office and it was just fascinating to watch I never I didn't receive a lot of it from her but I watched her do it to other people and sort of like maneuvered my way so that I wouldn't be caught in that little trap that she sets but this guy was just so I just thought it was so genius the way he did it just a very calm collected like he's like your response too uh you didn't say okay. What did you say? Oh, um, just like I'm just depending on what it is, but just accepting the feedback and admitting mm -hmm. you could be wrong, basically. Right. So, right. whatever it is, just kind of being like, okay, well, thanks mm -hmm. for telling me. Um, it sounds like I was wrong about that. I need to do mm -hmm. a better job. Like you know, right. but however you want to say that, and right. just okay. And I, I feel like a lot of it, even with disagreement, that does always make me think about. Um, Bartleby, right, where he's just like, mm, I, prefer, I, prefer I, prefer, I prefer not to, which which I do love that as just like a, the best way to disagree with people that uh, you're frustrated yeah. with. <laughs> She's yeah. just like, oh. um, But yeah, I like the idea of neutralizing the, the, right. the insecure person or the nervous person. In this case, it was a micromanager. So she would come over and give him these like very hyper-specific things that he had done wrong, right? Which he hadn't, let's be clear. This was micromanaged. Right. It was unnecessary critique is the whole point. And so it's like, oh, the, the stickers need to go on the books in such and such a way uh, or whatever, whatever it was. And then he would just calmly accept it and go, okay, I'll do that next time. And that was it. That is the, the best way to do it. Love and it. From someone doing it the wrong way a lot of times. It just, just to agree with them and just move on with your life. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they will stop confronting you as much in the future. Yeah, well because they're, I mean this is why I called them the energy vampire thing because they're not getting the reaction that they want. Yeah, right. I mean I think That's you're the, right. the tragic they, thing about it. 
they on a subconscious level are like trying to pick fights with people and mm-hmm. it's like and I, I do think about this like in relation to this I'm going to try to segue back to the show mm-hmm. I think so much about all of our interactions have to do with us desiring to be seen by other people mm-hmm. and so when somebody's acting out in whatever way it is if it's the manager for example um, or it's me, you know, th- throwing a temper tantrum and scolding someone, or whatever it is. Um, y- those are acts of people of feeling that I'm not understood and wanting people to understand me. And so, however you can communicate to someone you're frustrated with that you see them, you know, and you're on their side, like not you don't have to be like on their team, but just being like. Okay, you know, I, I could see why you would be frustrated. It's just like, it's such, it's so disarming to mm-hmm. take that approach of just like, all right, and whatever whatever the issue is, I'm going to just focus on letting you know that I see you as a person. And if you do that, that person just becomes so much more agreeable. Like it's and, like and appreciative sometimes. Yeah, they could be very thankful that, mm-hmm. you know, you listen to them talk or that's normally yeah. what all it takes. is. Just Even if that wasn't talk. the reaction they were expecting, they're pleasantly surprised and then, like this micromanager, kind of get frazzled and don't know what to do and walk away. And are like, that went well, I didn't expect it to go well. Right? Right. right. Because I think you're giving that person what they want in the sense that you're seeing them mm-hmm. for who they see themselves as. and you're like, And they're like... Okay, you know, yeah. I'm well done. I feel good because uh-huh. because it's like that is that is. I think that's what I want. I think that's what everybody wants. We just want to be seen. You know. That's yeah. It. No, that's I think it. I think there's some there's some truth to that. That to interact at all is to want to be seen and understood. And this is why I don't interact with people because I don't like being seen. I, <laughs> I dislike being perceived at all. Uh, that's good. <laughs> That's sad. No, it's fine. <laughs> okay. Um, or is that, or is that a reaction to feeling like you're not seen? I think that's a night person thing. If it, no, I think it's a reaction to feeling not understood, even though I am seen. Right. Right. That's what I'm saying. Like this is like the night person scene. Uh, night person scene. This is the night person thing. There was a. There's two quotes that I've thought of while we've been talking about this, and they're both from the band uh, of Montreal. One is, I can't function unless I'm the only one awake, which I can relate to sometimes. And the other one is, don't tell me that I've changed, because of course I have. And I just think those are great and applicable to what we've been talking about. But no, I think when I talk about, when I make the joke of, I interact with as few people as possible, because I genuinely dislike being perceived not just seen but like looked at <laughs> just just looked at I think it's because I would rather write my little thing at night and then put it out into the world anonymously and not have people be able to judge you know what I look like for instance mm. and so they can understand me through what I've written but you don't, you know, it's like Salinger or something, not wanting to put his picture on his books. I feel the same way like that. It's like, you don't need to know what I look like to, to get what I'm talking about, right? That's what I mean by the, by the joke of, I interact with plenty of people. That's just, a, I was just fucking around. 
Well, it, it, I feel like it's interesting that it's almost, and I, I, I can relate to this, where you feel like people physically seeing you somehow hinders them from really seeing you. From really understanding you, yeah, yeah. Right, I guess I'm using seen as like a catch-all to mean like mm. understood for who you are as a person, yeah. Right. Um, yeah, I think that that is definitely true um, for a lot of people. A lot of people feel that way. And so in this relationship, uh, we it, it does seem like the person that's kind of happy does feel understood and appreciated for the most part, you know, which I do think is interesting where it's just really they're the other person who ends up leaving that they feel like they're misunderstood. And... And it's, it's, the irony is so true because it's like we know as an audience that their partner understands them in a way that is so special. That mm. That's why it's just kind of like you're so stupid for throwing this person away because they understand you better than you understand yourself. Right. And, and so, well, that's so it's like, another thing. Yeah. This is another one of those tragic human things. That's It's sort of like a flip side to the you want what you can't have and when you do get it you don't want it anymore but there's also the um the deeper insecurity thing of i feel like i don't deserve this right this perfect marriage or this love and because i have this insecurity or self-hatred or whatever it might be that i feel like i don't deserve what you're giving me so willingly i need to somehow self-destruct right right so that's yeah, which... just another tragic human thing which is kind of interesting because it's kind of like that person is is like because you treat me so well you don't really understand me and so right. i deserve I, your wrath i, I right. deserve to be treated poorly so i'm going to go out and find mm -hmm. another person who's going to treat me worse so that right. i somehow feel like i'm understood right um, and this in any in any kind of masochism there's always the i need to be viewed the way i view myself which is less than yes. right right so there's that uh humans are humans are tragic insecure people not all of them but a lot uh but yeah i mean it's the classic you know it's a cliche uh we accept the love we think we deserve right and if someone's giving us more than we think we deserve we find ways to nitpick and destroy it and all that and that's kind of what's happening in Scenes from Marriage episodes three and four. Well, it's happening throughout, but it's pretty pronounced in three and four. But I will once again argue that they have had a successful marriage for many years and that this could happen. Well, I don't think it could happen to any marriage, but I think that if there's ever a moment in a relationship where one person starts going in a different direction and the other person either unwillingly or unaware doesn't mm -hmm. go there with them, mm -hmm. um, that this is a potential to transpire. Um, yeah, the yeah. rift The rift can always happen. Again, if someone's being not communicative about what they actually need. Uh, some people might be caring enough that you, you say, you know what, you don't, you don't criticize me enough. I kind of want to be put down because I'm insecure. If you could actually verbalize that, you know, I... For instance, if, if I was dating someone who was you know, more uh, emotionally masochistic, I guess is the, is the term, and they were like, you know what, I, I need to be put down a little more. And I'd be like, you dummy. Yeah, you do. You know, and maybe playfully 
do it, right? But it's like that's another like meeting in the middle and like what does my partner actually need? Why do you feel this way, etc. You know, <laughs> then we're getting into therapy stuff, but yeah. <laughs> I know, I don't know. That would be a hard one to like be like <laughs> <laughs> All right. So it's, all, right. Like, all right, dear. Okay. Your wife all comes right. to the I'm door. Gonna... What's up, stupid? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're just like you're such an idiot all the time. Well, I think you that do stupid things. People you know? also don't realize the value of humor in a serious situation. If you mm. if you can nail the joke, and if someone were actually to be so masochistic as to say, I want you to verbally put me down a little bit more, because that's how I really feel. Not that people ever say that, but in this hypothetical, they are. Uh, if you can make light of that, that's enormous. Because not only are you doing what's requested, you're doing it in a humorous way that makes fun of the fact that why do you even want this? You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. Anyway, so that seems like I, a not I likely mean, scenario for most people. You, but You are trying to get that bill passed that requires every police officer to come equipped with three jokes. That, that, <laughs> is, that, that, is, no. that, that, that is your... That is your recent thing. You're saying that police officers should have jokes ready for serious situations because you think that, and I agree with you, I think it'll stop a lot of um, violent situations if yeah. a police a officer... Of, it'll stop a lot of cop-on-cop crime. Yeah, he, if they have something funny to say, mm-hmm. you know, somebody's pointing a gun at them, you're just kind of like... I do not think do that would be well... <laughs> I don't think that's going to work. I don't think that would be well-received in our current... <laughs> current uh, socioeconomic climate and you know BLM, all this kind of stuff. So do you uh, think de- a cab defund the a police? Should should just be part of the. I think the citizens should have more jokes about cops. Personally, <laughs> you know, in in this era where a cab and defund the police are trending topics on the internet, I think you know actually, you know, one of my favorite jokes about a cop, I think it was Sarah Silverman. And she goes, I got pulled over on the way here. And, you know, the cop comes to the side of the car and and he says, do you know why I pulled you over? And I went, because you got all C's in high school? You're calling cops dumb. Yeah, that's... Yeah, she's calling cops dumb. That's a real funny joke. Underachievers Um, who want want, uh, power that they don't deserve is what she's calling uh, them. There's good and bad people in every industry. Um, but I, I guess, I guess that's funny. I, I don't, I don't know. That's <laughs> funny. Maybe as a high school yeah. teacher, you're not as amused by it. I guess I just don't like when people want to make fun of other people's like intelligence as a. Sure. Like, All right, I'll cut this out. No, it's, it's, it's fine. But I, I guess I'm like trying to be more respectful of people that I don't necessarily agree with. And um, it's, a, it's ableist to dislike stupid people. That's correct. And I just think that having met good and bad people in every walk of life, I just don't, oh, yeah. I know I know that's always true. So it's kind of like it, a lot of times it's the system that creates more bad than good in any industry. Mm-hmm. And so if we we want to evaluate that, that's in power. Power corrupts, right. obviously. I'm also a huge fan of like folk wisdom. I love the the uneducated man on his porch having some lemonade and saying, is what it is. And you're like, you're so right. I love that kind of stuff. I love folk wisdom where it's just like the simplest outlook possible. But yeah. 
Um, should we wrap this up? <laughs> yes. Do we, should we give this a uh, bear rating this episode? No, or? no. Let's do no something bears? else. Let's do okay. something else. Um, what, do you, what do you got? Um, well, what happened in the episode? They read their private thoughts while the person fell asleep. Uh, they made out after having an argument. Late, late night phone calls. How many late night phone calls is this? Maybe, maybe the breaking maybe up that? with the, yeah, breaking up with the with your current partner to get back with your spouse happened. Uh, um, um, inconvenient phone calls. I don't know. I bet that person's just like, man, if I just didn't call that night, you know, they probably uh-huh. would have been okay talking to me the next day. <laughs> I don't know. How many? What about how many? long text messages is this that you wake okay. up to mm, long text messages Wait, waking up to either one long text message or way too many short text messages how many is it is it a long text message or is it way too many short ones what do you think I think they're both long text messages you think I'm not getting the vibe of a bunch of short messages from either of these See, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to draw a distinction with you there, David. I think okay. that the Swedish original is waking up to one long breakup text, like it doesn't even fit on the phone. You gotta scroll to read the rest. Whereas the HBO reboot is a bunch of short ones, like the person didn't quite know what to say and was figuring out as they were texting sentence by sentence. But it's way too many. It's like you wake up to like 19 text messages and they're all from the same person. And they all are like half sentences. I think that's the HBO one. I think it's a little more ADHD style than singular focused Bergman. It's a little more frazzled. I mean, we're talking about a show that there's two people talking for, for 20 minutes at a time <laughs> yeah, but yeah, but the content know. of what they're saying i'm thinking specifically of jessica chastain when i say that okay i'm thinking specifically of the female characters in these series is and i think Liv Ullman is one long well thought out text message whereas jessica chastain is a, a bunch of frazzled short ones that says the same thing it's the same quality of content over those 20 messages than it is the one big bulk one. They say the same things, but her texting but they, style is more irrational and immediate. But they're different characters. I mean, you got to compare Jessica Chastain to the guy character. You know, those are the ones that are similar. Listen, um, this is my rating. I can do what I want. This, this is what is his name? Johan, right? Johan. Johan. Yeah. Yeah. So Johan and um, what is Jessica Chastain? Mira. Characters? Mira. Johan and Mira. Um, are, Which means look. They are both very similar, toxic personalities, ch- children who don't really yeah, know. I don't like the word toxic. Too. I would say that they're insecure and inconsiderate and selfish. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm I'm using toxic just to say that they're they have a negative energy that they are spreading to the people around them and can sure. cause more sure. damage. Although I don't think they're energy vampires. Let's be clear about that. Sure. Yeah, not but like they they ruin other people's lives. I think. That, <laughs> okay. Yeah. I think I, I think that yeah, with yeah. their selfishness, but it's their selfishness and their inconsideration of how that affects others. Right. That's, that's the toxic trait, so to speak. Yeah, and I'm not because I don't yeah, like the I, idea that I don't like the idea that people are toxic fundamentally. I think certain people exhibit toxic behaviors 
at different parts sure. of their lives. I could I could agree with that absolutely. I'm not trying to, but I'm saying the energy that they have is is toxic. Um, yes, especially during the breakup. And we talked about how how cold Jessica Chastain is and like keeps turning her shoulder, won't even face him. We talked about how unnecessarily cruel Johan is when he breaks up breaks the news to her. Right? Yeah, they're um, just monsters. Um, well, see, that's another one where I'm like. No, they're human, yeah. and they're just well, being a shitty human They are present. acting like this, and I've, I've done a lot of legwork to clarify that not everybody's the same person all the time, so I'm like, they could have been yeah. great people before this, and they probably were. They had a successful relationship for a long time, so... Right. Um, we're also they, just they, not privy to those scenes. Let's, let's not forget months pass by between each scene sometimes. Right, which right. is one of the things that is harder for me as a viewer to be like, it's hard to have as much sympathy for uh, the character that's being um, cheated on because you're mm -hmm. like, this person's been left to, it's like we're seeing these one moments with them yeah. and to understand that they've had very little contact with this person for a long time. Right. Um, and which means, another sad fact, which means that they've had a lot of time to mull over it and be sad about it and sort of really have to figure yeah. out how they feel. Why? Because they were alone with the kid while the other one was going off and having a fling and got to distract themselves with another relationship, right? Let's face yeah. it, both the people that cheat never really got to process how they feel about having left their marriage. They never right. had the time alone, you know what I mean? Like the other one did. So of course the other one has a more emotionally mature perspective on the whole thing, the one person who got left, because they had to sit and deal with it by themselves. The other person got to go run off to Paris or Israel and have a fling for a year or whatever. But I guess, you know? but you could argue that they were already processing the end of the marriage for a time period Prior to breaking up, yeah, yeah. Right, which we did talk about, I think, a little bit last week. Um, but I, I'm still with you. Like, I feel like at the end, the guy is in a better place in the HBO version and the girl is in a better place to kind yeah. of move on with their lives because they they realize that they're no longer they're no longer in love with that person of who they are like they're just kind of like all right they you've you've turned in a way that's not working anymore mm -hmm. like we're this is just it's not it's nothing against yeah. you but it just doesn't right and not going working anymore going back to the whole thing earlier of uh, you got to change, you got to work with somebody's changes and who they become and sickness and health and all that stuff. Um, I mean, this is why divorce rates are so high. This is why non-monogamous people like to point out the generic fact of like, well, your cells are different every seven years, so you're technically a different person. So of course marriages don't last very long. And it's like, no, marriages don't last long because of a personality thing and because of selfishness and because, like you said, some people aren't willing to change and grow in the direction that their spouse is. Like you just said, oh, you're going that direction? Yeah, I'm not going with you, right? Yeah, I, I don't know if I already made my point or not, but <laughs> I, I rambled slightly too, too long to remember what I was gonna say. It is, it is, it is tough though, but I, I think a lot of times any relationship can struggle when you're just not dealing with people that know who they are like I think awareness mm. has to do with it a lot and it's like if you enter a relationship and that person hasn't really seen you at the worst at your worst yet mm. or or even at your best if you've like been holding back mm -hmm. part of your identity 
you're setting yourself up for that person not <laughs> right. not not, not being able to accept you yeah right and so it's just always i feel like so much of people like hearing people talk about and whatever my opinion of this is somebody who's been in a relationship so i always feel like anytime i can't talk about this because i don't know what it's like to be single for an extended period of time so oh boy this, i do this being said um i think this is my my advice on everyone else who struggles with something that I am not never have struggled with for any long period in my life at all, which I get is so I'm just putting that out front to be like, See, yeah, I don't. You know. Well, that's another thing. I mean, I mean that maybe you maybe said a lot without realizing it is that for some people it's not a struggle. For yeah, the, some the times in my it. life when I was decidedly not dating anyone and when I, when I was decidedly single. Those were some great little eras of my life. I was fulfilled in different areas that I didn't well, yeah, need I'm not... the companion. No, 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 I'm just trying to make a separate point, which is um, I'm not contradicting you at all. I'm saying uh, that's true. Some people struggle with single life, but a lot of people don't. Yeah, uh, people I mean, I've people. also done the, the opposite of that, where I have jumped from relationship to relationship, one right after another, and not processed any of them and that's you know, so I've done just the opposite yeah. thing and then I've also had little eras that lasted months or sometimes years especially in my early 20s I would go years without dating anybody uh, and I was perfectly content I had I had plenty on my plate that I didn't need or not that you ever really need it but I didn't desire that f consistent companionship or whatever you want to call it uh, but the so, point yeah. I was leading up to was yeah. why I said that was that if you're if you're hiding who you are so that you can be in a relationship right th that's not a relationship worth like just get it out of the way i guess mm -hmm. that's my advice to everyone so be go out on a first date and be terrible be the worst <laughs> version of yourself i don't know about the first date but <laughs> you know maybe not the first date maybe the second or yeah. third date i'm just saying like it's important for everyone to see various versions of you yeah so that's what makes a relationship last long and so if you spend all your time like hiding that part of mm -hmm. you from the other person then when it happens it's like you find out you wasted a big chunk of your yeah. life and you're like okay six months down down the hole yeah and speaking of wasted this podcast all the time you've spent <laughs> Speaking of wasted, what it sounds like you're suggesting is if you've been dating someone for at least a month, you need to get way too drunk in, in their presence, preferably in public so you make an ass of yourself. Whatever whatever your version of your worst is, do sure. that. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Sometimes that's not being drunk. Uh, um, sometimes yeah, that's other that's things. That's true. Uh, just don't, yeah, whatever well, that version is, don't think that it will never come out. It'll, yeah. It will come and out. Again, and again... Yeah, I think the hiding it that you're talking about, again, I think is a another insecurity and selfishness thing. But it's also, again, an upbringing thing and a uh, different styles of communication or not having them. And there's also the, like, the enormous factor of, like we talked about, the love you think you deserve. And it's like, oh no, if I reveal these different sides of myself, this person who I like will no longer accept me. So there's a fear thing, and that's, that's the insecurity thing. So like, on one hand, 
there's the insecurity that starts the whole thing of I can't show the side of myself to someone. And I think that's where that internal seed starts to be like, I need to look elsewhere. Right? And that's where the selfishness comes in. So it's like this insecurity leads to the selfishness. I don't know. It's a weird pretzel. I don't know what to call it. It's a weird entangled thing uh, where it's like it's all coming from the same fear. Yeah. And no judgment um, for anybody going through any type of relationship. Um, it's always... I feel like every time when you look at somebody who has it worse than you, that very easily could be you if you were born in their circumstances. Um, right. So, because because that's how most things work. It's just who you were born to, when you grew up, right. all of those. How you learn to factors. communicate. I mean, some people right. just don't even have the vocabulary to express that they feel insecure. You know, they don't think and, to do that. And especially it has a lot to do with relationships in your life growing up. If you don't have oh, yeah. healthy relationships that you can observe and see and know to model from, then that can be a struggle for the rest of your life, um, which yeah. a lot of people struggle with. Um, it's hard to know or do something that you've never seen anyone else do. And right. so more divorce obviously causes more divorce, which everybody yeah. everybody knows. And it's there's no... Is you can't blame kids for growing up with parents that were divorced and, right. <laughs> and be like, what's wrong with you? Why don't why don't you you know? And so I, th I, I guess I just think a lot of this it's just what we're talking about. It's it it is sensitive issues and it's a, yeah. we can sound a little judgmental towards Jessica Chastain or the guy and. Um, right. But again, I'm, like, I'm I think I think we're people. giving yeah. I think we're still giving credit to Jessica Chastain when we say. That's coming from a secure, or me, that's coming from an insecure or selfish place. Same thing with Johan. Yeah. Uh, that's that is seeing them. That's understanding them in in a certain way, right? Well, we think that they. I think ultimately, we feel like they could be a better version of themselves if they just kind of had a little bit more self love. If they thought mm -hmm. that they deserved it, or. Um, and so that's hard to see with anybody, right. but that has a lot to do with them. And right, and again, stuff, again, their upbringing yeah. and, and how their parents yeah. talk to them, and and again, well, uh, you know, if you're, are you even equipped with the therapeutic vocabulary? I don't know what to call it, uh, but this kind of stuff we're talking about, the, the more psychological stuff, it's like some people just don't even have that. They weren't raised with that. They don't know those terms. Uh, and this is this is one of the great things about movies and about books and TV and media and fiction in general is even if you were raised by someone who didn't give you the kind of love that you actually deserve you can watch a movie and see how other people do it and go that's what I want right and that's um, the power of story yep yep so, yeah, absolutely. That's, that's a good. That's a good place to. Yeah, and we should. And I feel like uh, ninety minutes of this episode will probably have to be cut. So yeah, at least move to at least episodes. like forty-five minutes. I'm definitely gonna cut out the writing thing and make a sidecast and stuff. Okay. Okay, this is why. So uh, I feel like we we definitely delve into like some tone things that could be very confusing to yes. any audi any audience, even people that know us. Yeah. Um, <laughs> people we go from very silly to very serious. 
Right. Very quickly. The, yeah, the level of facetiousness when we're already having a deep conversation is pretty yeah. stark. Um, anyway. But, but that, I, I mean, that is kind of why I think I, yeah, books and stories, I think that's why we both love books and stories is because it's just kind of like, wow, I was so limited by the things that I saw in my real life and the people I met. Books and movies and mm-hmm. music and poems. That opened that, me up. Now I understand so much more and have more to more positive things in my life and right. more ways I know I can be accepted and appreciated by right. others and yeah. And that's the that's the crazy thing about the, about whether it's literature or music, it's we're all sharing our experiences. Yeah. And so it doesn't matter if somebody lives on the other side of the world or it doesn't matter if somebody died a hundred years ago, we can still, you know, living in the information age certainly we can still enjoy part of that experience or what they expressed about it, at least, you know? And that's great. That's a great thing. Um, Anyway, my rating is certainly that Bergman's version, one long text message from a jilted lover. The new Haggai Levi's? Haggai Levi's version? A bunch of short frazzled, insecure text messages, but has the same quality and depth of emotion as the one long text message. That's my view. Um, I think my winner is going to be the reboot again this week um, because the energy, I just, I felt like it was very compelling. Like I just was really, Mm. was very just attracted to the mood of the room and I, I don't I don't like I, I, I like both versions but I think that some of the things that we've talked about just being more familiar with the uh, the modern version um, can make it seem a little bit more familiar and it can resonate more and then also just being the guy being kind of the main character I guess in the HBO version I guess I can say that because it kind of is like even though it's definitely they're both the main characters but just because he's it's happening to him i guess he's more likable more mm-hmm. relatable um because he's not the one that like went out and cheated and the reverse is true and the the swedish one where the woman is the more likable character um so that's yeah. why I'm, i i think the hbo one this this week i can uh, see that um i that phone call scene i guess that's the other thing the power uh. of the playing the voicemail versus read the letter out loud, like hearing the Polly talking. Hey. You know, we you? never see the kids. We almost never see the kids in either of I these series. That's sad. Yeah. So I, I'm going to lay down the law here. For me, episode four of the original wins. Hi. Okay. <laughs> Do you see? Huey JPEG, there he is. <laughs> um, and it's actually because of... We talked about it, but we didn't talk about something really interesting that happens. We talked about the two scenes where the person who's been cheated on reads their writing to the yes. person who cheated on them. But one thing we didn't mention that I wanted to was during... <laughs> during... <laughs> I, I see your memo. 
All right. All right. We can finish up. During Liv Ullman's reading of her writing to Johan. They do this amazing thing, and as she's reading to him, they show all these black and white photographs. First of Liv Ullman as a kid, and then growing older, and then oh, of, yeah. and then of uh, Erlen Josephson as a kid and growing older, and it it really does become about Liv Ullman, but who was Bergman's lifelong lover, and okay. like so it's there's a really cool like meta thing that's happening where. Bergman is having Liv Ullman read something that her character has written about herself while he's showing pictures of Liv Ullman from child to adult. And so Bergman's watching his own wife in photographs from before he knew her and writing a soliloquy for her to read that's how he feels about her, you know, played up from her perspective as a character, right? Uh, and it's just such a cool, great sequence that they don't do in the reboot. Although it would have been really interesting to see, you know, childhood pictures of Jessica Chastain and Oscar Isaac, but they didn't do that. Uh, maybe because it is so intimate and it is so personal. Because in that scene, knowing the like the superspective of Bergman and Liv Ullman were partners for many, many, many years. But it really does feel like he's writing it for her. So for me, episode four of the original wins the week, if only because of how personal it is with the childhood photos and all that. I just love that whole sequence. I love it. Which, by the way, if anyone wants to reference it, it's about a half an hour in. I am reading of the episode. That they were partners for, for from nineteen sixty five to nineteen seventy. And then, and then this is in 73. Okay. So she was married from 1960 to 1965 to somebody else named Jacob Japstang, which okay. I guess is the same time when they were partners. And then she married Donald Sanders. Right. So, it might be then so she's making a bunch of movies with Bergman for, well, her whole life. But during those that 10 years in the 60s and 70s, right? I guess they're kind of having an affair. But, but, um, yeah. And then I guess another person. Still, he knew her very intimately. No, I'm, I'm with you. And I definitely think the soliloquy. Yeah. I definitely think the soliloquy she. (laughs) Vivian, I'm almost done. I'll be up soon. She's so sad. Uh, for me as a viewer, it really felt like while watching these photographs of her, while Liv Ullman's character reads to Oscar Isaac, I'm kidding, uh, it really feels like Bergman is writing this to her, for her, about her, and okay. that, that personal thing that happens with the, the baby photographs and all that stuff, to me that's why it wins the week, because it's just such an intimate few minutes in the middle there uh i just love that sequence so that's why that one wins original wins for, for me for the week okay that's a great sequence all right this has been movie victory um with david victory and huey jpeg wiki wah wah 
Um, that was my daughter Vivian you heard earlier. And then I don't know if there's anybody any other credits that we can have. Um, Special appearance my, from Vivian. Yes. The the child. And my cats have been very active. Telemachus and Ulysses and Perseus have have given no support during the episode today. Um, and all the ghosts okay. of our former lovers. <laughs> yes. They're not dead, but you know. You know, they're they're dead to us. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, that's it. Goodbye. <laughs> Goodbye. This is the movie victory. <laughs>